16 and 9, the psalmist says, Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. In hope. Rest right there carries both the end of our life at the end when I rest when this flesh is laid down it's going to be laid in hope and it also has a second reference of while I'm yet in this life in the flesh I have hope and I just want to preach to you teach to you probably more than anything there is hope there is hope pray with me please Lord we love you Thank you for all you've done. Your goodness and mercy, we always thank you for that. You're such a wonderful Savior, gracious God. Thank you for all you've done. ask you to touch us tonight. Move us with your message. Let us hear it. Let us understand it. As we always pray, Lord, let us respond to it. We'll give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. If you believe that, say amen. And let's love him one more time before we're seated. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 133 times the word hope. I think it's important. The psalmist writes about it. We read it in 16 and 9. He speaks of it again in 22 and 9. Let's read that. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. Here's what he's saying. From the moment I entered into this world, I had hope in you. That's what he's saying. From, from that very moment, I had hope. Psalm 119 and 114. Thou art my hiding place and my shield. How many times you needed those places? My hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. One more out of Psalm. This is, this is one that has a particular direction and meaning other than just stating the facts. Psalm 146 and 5 says, Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. The Bible always, and I say always, uh, most of the time, when it reflects, it reflects on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. How many of you read that? Many times the Bible says the God of Abraham, at least a good several times, the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham and Isaac are both very easy to understand. You, you can see why uh, he would be called the, the God of Abraham and Isaac. Their track record in doing what's right, uh, if you put it on the scale, weigh it all out, even with their shortcomings, they were right. They did what was right. They did have some problems, perhaps, but by and large, you can see why the Bible would say the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac. But for some reason, and there is a reason, and here is what that reason is. The psalmist says here in 146 and 5, 
He says, the God of Jacob. He doesn't mention Abraham and, and Isaac. But he said there's hope in the God of Jacob. The psalmist is saying that you have the God that tends to the men of failure. Not just Father Abraham and not a continuation of a good name in Isaac. But also a third generation of failure. He's also the God of the men that fail him. I like this. The psalmist is, is pointing this out. He's not just the God of the good guy. He's not just the God of the forever saint and, and the fixture. But he's also the God of the one who has walked away. He's the God of the one who's lied and cheated and stole from his, his brothers. And, 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 and this is exactly who and what Jacob was. But it wasn't Abraham that would become Israel. It wasn't Isaac that would become Israel. But it was Jacob that would become Israel. He would take the wrong and never let it die. Oh, here we go. The psalmist is saying, if you've got the God of Jacob, you have hope. Amen? Anybody have hope tonight? Why don't you just praise him for that hope right now? Why don't you just praise him? It's a blessed hope. It's not just for the good people. It's not just for the it's not just for the people that have always been saints, but it's for the failure. Now I want to read from the wisest man according to scripture to ever walk this earth that gave us Ecclesiastes. Uh, he's a second generation king, the son of the great King David, and we know him by his name Solomon. He gives us Ecclesiastes 9 and 4, and it says this. For to him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. For him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. A living dog is better than a dead lion. Now, let me just share a couple things with you. The word join means to be connected, still alive, and standing with the people of this world. You're still here. And so he's saying, so he that is still alive, for he that's still breathing. In those days, a dog was the worst thing you could be called. It was the, uh, the epitome of a curse word. I mean, out beside the, the cursings, it, it would be a dog. If, if you called someone a dog, you'd see it in the New Testament. You'd see it in the Old. And so there's something very large being said right here because on the other side of that, there was nothing greater that you could ever call a person than a lion. The Lord's even described as the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the lion. But when you look at the dog, you say, oh, uh, it's nothing. They're, they're just, they're, they're, most of the time they were talking about more like a hyena, a wild animal of some type. They weren't talking about the, the, the domestic couch dog. You know, the, the love seat animal, the recliner, the lap dog. It, it was talking about something together uh, different that didn't have any value, that didn't have any worth in the world. It was just a, 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 an animal of disruption and destruction. And all throughout Scripture, when people were called dogs, it was always a very bad thing. But the wisest man to ever live said to us, it would be better to be the sorriest thing on the earth and have a chance 
than to be the greatest line to ever live and already planted. Ooh, that gives me some hope. You know, what it does, it allows me not to compare myself to those that have already ran their race. It says, okay, they're gone. They've done their job. Well, you know what? We, just over the last two or three years, we buried some lines from right here. They've gone, they've gone on to, to their reward. They were lines when they were here. And then there was a lot of dogs that attended those funerals. But according to Scripture... Their race is won. They've already got their reward. There's nothing greater than that. So it doesn't take away from them, but what it does is it gives the dog a fighting chance. It says the lion's gone. We've celebrated him. It'd be better to be a living dog than a dead lion because a living dog has hope of another win. Oh, I'm feeling something right here. So it tells us if one is still alive, that ought to give everybody in this room hope. If he's still alive. Now, I shared all that with you to get to my text. And here we go. And I got to my text. I had been preparing for several hours today. I can, I can say to you with, uh, with, with, with a, a straight face, as, as, as deep as I can look into our hearts and share with you today that I had a whole nother idea and a whole different plan. This hadn't happened to me now in a little bit. And I really felt good about uh, teaching something about the fire. And I, I felt good about that. And I had a good idea and a good direction. And one phone call changed all of that. And so during that phone call, I, I won't tell you that I heard the Lord speak audibly to me. I can't tell you that he spoke to me and I heard him with my ears. But I will tell you the Lord spoke to me. And you can take whatever you want out of that. I can't tell you really what the truth is about it. I don't know if I heard it or if I heard it so loud in my head I heard it. But the Lord just during this phone conversation towards the end of it just just put this word in my heart and I knew immediately that other message that I was working on for hours that I felt was right and, and it will be right in time. His word will hold. And so when I got this, when this hit me, I knew right then the other message left me. This, this came to me. It was birthed. It was alive. I didn't need hours. I didn't need time. It was heart. It was right here. It was right now. It, it, was, it was at the moment. And so when I flipped over into my Bible to Job chapter 14, I realized the last time I had... Uh, spoken from this passage was in the very height of the pandemic. It was August of 2020. We were in a very tough time. We were in a hurting very deeply already at that time. There were people that were sick around us and people dying and church was on and off and, and I, I didn't even look deep enough to see if that was a recorded message just for a live audience or if everybody was here. I don't know what, what it was but this is the last time I spoke from here and so I know that it was in a time of hurting. I know it was in a time of down because I remember how I felt in that season. Anybody, anybody else remember that? So it was August of 20. And so here's what the Bible tells us. Job, a man of many sorrows, writes to us in chapter 14. I'll read nine verses. We only need about four of them, but it'll set the whole, uh, the whole uh, scene up for us. In 14, 1 through 9. 
man that is born of a woman is of a few days and full of trouble. Anybody believe that? Say amen. He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. And dost thou open thine eyes upon such an one and bringest me into judgment with thee? Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Not one. Seeing his days are determined, the number of his months are with thee. Thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. Turn from him that he may rest till he shall accomplish as an hireling his day. For there is hope of a tree. If it be cut down, that it will sprout again, and that the tender branch thereof will not cease. Though the root thereof wax old in the earth, and the stock thereof die in the ground, yet through the scent of water it will bud, and bring forth boughs like a plant. Woo, I'm just going to have to behave myself right here, just contained for a few moments. So there I was today. Several hours, I can't say, somewhere probably between three and five at least, into my message and uh, into my thoughts and notes and studying and what this means and that means and what the setting is and, and on and on and on uh, the studies were going. And all of a sudden, my phone rang. And it was a man that I had the privilege of being an assistant pastor under our bishop 25 years ago and then co-pastor after four years as assistant pastor and I served in that role four years and so I had the opportunity to be both this man's assistant pastor and co-pastor he called me and he says hey uh, brother Rusty how you doing I said I'm doing good he said man hadn't talked to you in so long how's, how's Missy and the girls and we talked and went through all of, all of those things and I wasn't positive what he was calling about, but I had a feeling. Turns out I was wrong. Uh, but we we got into this little conversation for just a little bit, and once all the pleasantries were gone, and I asked him about his wife and his granddaughter and his kids and, and, and his business and on and on, I found out what the call was about. He said, hey, you know my brother. Yeah, yeah, I know your brother. He's sick. I said, he's sick, yeah. These, these boys are a few months older than me. They're, they're both 52 already. Twins, good guys. And he said, he's sick. And you, just let me set this up for a moment with you. When I met him for the first time, he was a proud atheist. He'd look you right in the eyes with a lot of pride and not worried about anything at all. A soul wasn't an issue. He, he would say to you, well, no, there is no God. And I mean, no. I mean, it's crazy to think. And he would state that. He was very verbal about that. And, and, and he was proud. He was a very hard shell, former uh, Navy and uh, military guy. And 
uh, he and his brother kind of just started coming around a little bit and playing some ball, some softball and various things. And one thing led to another and then conversations and he was outspoken about that. Then he had a car accident and his truck uh, rolled a time or two and uh, put him halfway out the door and uh, halfway in the vehicle and halfway out. And as he lay there with this vehicle pinned across his chest, he lost his heartbeat and obviously he's gone unconscious and people that showed up on the scene couldn't get the truck off of him and they watched as he turned blue. They watched as that went away and the life left him. And it was some time after that, uh, after that they had come several minutes later, enough people got there to roll the vehicle off his chest and he, he was resuscitated and they got a heartbeat and got him going. And, and it was just a little while after that when, when he decided that he would come to church and just see what it was. His brother had already come and had not received uh, the Holy Ghost but had a great touch and uh, had been baptized, he and his wife and his family. His children were small at the time. And so there he was and uh, he would come and really nothing was changing in his life and then it wasn't long. He decided he would uh, go to a Bible study. So we done Bible study. After Bible study, he he decided there just might be a God. And so after he decided there just might be a God, he thought he might just go to church and see about it. He felt something. In feeling something, he felt the need to be baptized. So we baptized him. After a little while, baptized, still a little bit of a skeptic, but saying, hey, there is a God, but I don't really know what he wants to do with me. I don't know if all of this that's going on is real or true, or, or you know, he still has questions. But it was in this great church service when the Spirit of the Lord fell and filled him with that mighty gift. So I was able to watch this entire transition of his Life and, and then a number of years, uh, like I said, was there and had an opportunity to lead him along with Bishop and the leaders of our church. And they became close friends. We fished together. We golfed together. They were not just church friends. We were personal friends. And so now his brother calls me and he says he, he's sick. And he said, I think a phone call from you would mean a whole lot. Y'all hadn't talked in a while and we hadn't talked in a while and he said, I think it'd be a great thing. And so I gave him my word that I would do that. It's interesting how the enemy will try to set a trap for you. Because just as soon as I committed to making a phone call to this man whose relationships have collapsed and he uh, has maybe, I won't say walked away from the Lord, but I'll say has, has not kept his commitment to God and, and is in some type of a, a different state of not living for God, backslidden. I don't know what you want to call it. That's probably what he would call it. He's pretty straightforward. But I, I, I said, yeah, I'll call him. And as soon as I said that, I started just feeling terrible. I mean, I don't mean just physically sick. It was a, it was a, an emotional, a mental challenge, and I, I was, I just thought, 
you know, I'm going to call him and, and I'm going to talk to him and I'm going to find out that, that he's sick and, and, and he's not doing right and it's church night and, and I'm going to go to church with that on my mind. And I don't, I just, you know, all you preachers, because <laughs> you don't have to be a preacher know that feeling. But in any event, I, I just felt like it was going to be so heavy. And I'm right here and I'm in the middle of studying. I got a, a red hot, I mean, it's something I'm just excited about. And I said, okay, let him know I'll be calling him about 2 o'clock. 2 o'clock went by and I couldn't get my mind prepared. You, you have to understand how my mind works. I'm, I'm, I'm probably different. But I, I have to be ready, you know. To, I mean, when it's important, I can't just off the cuff unless it's a God moment. And, and so I, I'm saying, Lord, you know, I, I don't know what to do. Two, go, two o'clock goes by, 210, 2.15, 2.20. I, I'm a man of my word. I got a call. I told him it would be two-ish. That's what I told him. And 2.30 rolled around, and just after 2.30, I said, I got to call him. I got, I got to do it. I have to do it. And so I called, and he answered the phone, and he said, oh, man, I'm so glad to hear your voice. And I said, well, brother, what, what in the world's going on? And we did the same thing as he and, he and uh, his brother and I had done. We talked about children and, and uh, jobs and, and family and so on and so forth. And we got through talking about those things, and I already knew he was sick, and I'm certain he already knew that I knew that. And... Uh, because he had talked to his brother and he told him I'd be calling him. And I said, after, the, after we talked about all the kids and the jobs and, and, and finance and career and just whatever the Lord had done, I said to him, I said, tell me something. How's you and Jesus doing? I didn't know any other way to break in. I was looking for some real political, you know, scholarly way to get into that conversation and finally I just blurted it out I said how's you and Jesus all of a sudden he said that's what I was really want to talk to you about and I said well what's going on man and he said well he said I just got diagnosed with stage 4 esophageal cancer lesions on my lungs, lesions on my liver. I'm in the hospital in VA. They've worked out a deal to be able to transfer me to MD Anderson. They've looked at my case and they think they can help me a little bit. I sat there understanding by his conversation and his admission and what little bit I had already picked up on in the two conversations. My heart was already breaking because I knew the enemy was telling him, now you're going to call on God. Now you're going to reach for a preacher. Now you, I know how the enemy works. I've been there. He made a statement that really blew my mind. He said, I want you to know something. He said, I've missed you all these years. He said, I've wanted to be close. 
He said, I've trusted two people in my entire life to speak for my soul, and that's you and Brother Hathcock. And I thought, boy, that's heavy. That's heavy. We talked a few moments, and I gave him a few scriptures and a few little pieces of hope, and I thought I was doing real good. And all of a sudden, I heard from heaven. It said, there is hope if a tree is cut down. That at the scent of water, it can bud again and not only bud, but produce again. We talked a few more moments and I just felt a wave of the Spirit of the Lord come over me. I said, Wesley, why don't we just pray right now? He said, I'd love that. We began to pray. And somehow, from a little home office in Terrell, Texas, to a VA in Pineville, Tioga, Louisiana, the Holy Ghost made a connection. All of a sudden, he began to pray, and he began to weep, and the Holy Ghost began to move on him. And the Lord said, you tell everybody you know, as long as they've got breath, what the enemy would like to tell you is they're in the hospital, they're stage four, they're dying, the churches around have given up on them, the world has given up, families thrown their hands up, but you tell them that if they can just smell the water one more time, that God will do the miraculous in their life. I want to tell somebody in this place today, I'm not going to talk very long on this right here, but I just want you to hear me. You've got children. You've got grandchildren. You've got a husband. You've got a wife. You've got family members. You know backsliders. If we could win every backslider just from this church, we don't own enough property that to hold just the building to seat them in. And I want to tell you what the Bible said. If they're still alive, there's more hope for them than the greatest Lion that has ever lived. Come on, somebody hear me. Well, pastor, they're an alcoholic. Okay, they're a drug addict. Okay, they're in prison. Okay, they're an abuser. Okay, they've done this or they've done that, and they're so bad. They're just a sorry dog. Let me tell you something, folks. A dog that's alive is better than a lion that's in the ground. By the time I got off of that phone, we had had a Holy Ghost time. And just a little while later, I got a text from his brother. And he said, hey, things are better. He seems like he's energized and he feels better. He's got a positive mentality. I want to tell you something. When the saints of God begin to pray... When the saints of God are in tune with the Holy One of Israel... A dog is better than a dead lion. 
Come on, somebody. You ought to speak this. the name of your sons, the name of your daughter, the name of your spouse, the name of your coworker. You ought to stand and you ought to speak their name right now. God can go where they're at. No, I'm challenging you. I'm, I'm daring you. Like they used to say, I double dare you to call their name and in faith believe that God's going to do something. Somebody hear me. Your sons are not too far gone. Your daughters are not too far gone. Your children, your family's not too messed up. But you don't understand all it takes is one saint of God that can dig deep down in the treasures of the past and say, hey, let's pray. Let's talk to God. Woo, somebody needs to hear me right now. There's hope. There is hope. There is hope. I wish you'd just praise him for a few moments. I know how you've been crying. I know how you've been recording. I saw last night the names under salvation at family prayer. I know how you're feeling. I have felt that way before. There is hope that if a tree be cut down and its roots wax old in the ground, what does that mean? It means they turn up and gnarl over themselves, dry, dead to the effect of water. But if it can just get that smell, what does that mean? They don't even have to be in the church. They got to be close enough where something's at, close enough to a prayer just to hear it or feel it, and there will be a response that causes Somebody needs to hear me right now. Well, I don't know how to approach it. Me neither. How's you and Jesus? How's you and Jesus? Well, why don't we pray together? Hard shell, military, farmer, atheist. It done my heart so good. It's been so long since I've heard that depth of weeping in a prayer. Somebody said, well, yeah, he's afraid he's dying. Folks, if God's ever present, he's present when we're born and he's present when we're dying. I'm not saying he can't do a miracle because I believe he can and I believe he will. But if we've ever needed God, it's the day of our birth and the day of our death. I could feel a question. And I remind and thank you. You can be seated for a few moments. Sister Beckham, whatever time it is, give me five minutes, I'm done. I said, brother, I said, let me remind you something. We were already weeping. I could barely get through it. I said, hear me. Remember that Jesus Christ hung between two thieves. It was the day before Passover at the weekend of Passover that they hung them. Why? Because the Jewish law enforced by the Roman government and the Roman military went like this. 
If you can make it to Passover, we'll sacrifice for you and we'll pray prayer repentance over you. And no matter what, under the Old Testament law, you'll be saved. But there was such cruelty that arrest them and put them in jail. And within hours of being forgiven, take their life to ensure they'd be lost forever. Cruelty. I said, Wesley, I want you to hear me. God understood that as he hung in the flesh of Jesus Christ. Hours for sure eternal damnation separated from the spirit of God into outer darkness. The Holy Ghost hadn't failed yet and a sacrifice hadn't been made. But nobody tells God how to be God. Well, that ain't fair. There hadn't been a sign. Let him be God. Well, that's not fair. They hadn't always let him be God. Today, not tomorrow after Passover, not after the sacrificial lamb. I am the sacrificial lamb. Today, you will be with me in paradise. You see, why did he say today? Because today was the last day possible. He's the God of the impossible. He's the God that speaks things that are not as though they were and things that are as though they were not. I want to tell you what happened today. I felt it. I heard it. I recognized it. I understood it. And the way that conversation ended was, when all this is over, brother, when all this is over, what I really want to do is just move out there close to you and just serve God with you. I don't know how long it's going to take him to get to Houston. He thinks about two days. And I don't know when or where or how, but one day I'm going to take enough time to go over there. And I'm going to see to it that we both have a clear understanding of where he's at. And when it's all said and done, I believe there will be a family sitting on these pews. Brother Tony, do you believe that? I don't know how long, for how many years, how much time, but I believe there'll be a day when that man, because he still got trust in prayer and he still believes in somebody that's preached the word to him. What happened? He caught the sin of water today and all of a sudden there was a little sprout of life that hit him laying there. He's probably watching tonight. I hope so. I want to tell him, I want to tell his brother and his family and those that look up to him and to his children. He might be a dog. I don't know. I haven't been around him. He might be whatever you want to call him. But I know that my Bible says that a rotten, no good for nothing dog is better than the greatest lion we've ever buried as far as hope goes. That's why the woman, when Jesus was standing there, she was she was a dog, and, and she 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 thought that was great. She she was really being cursed of the day. She said, "Oh, but even the she understood. Oh no, the, the bread's not for you." She said, "Oh, but she calls herself the dog." I know in your eyes I'm a low life. I know in your eyes I'm a backslider. I know in your eyes I'm, I'm a rotten scoundrel. I'm a snake. I'm just a dog. I, I get it. But, but Jesus, I need you to remember something. 
Everybody I know that's got a dog when the scraps fall. See, she put herself intentionally in the position of the overflow. That's the scent of the meal. Woo! If we could just get some sinners in the overflow, in the crumbs of an altar call, in the pieces of a prayer meeting, in the moments. I don't know what the Lord's going to do physically. But I'm going to tell you, I'm claiming it right now and declaring it that spiritually it's already been settled. I know what I felt. I hadn't felt anything on the phone like that praying with anybody ever. I prayed with a lot of people, hundreds, maybe thousands are the calls that I've said prayers. But as we began to pray, that old hard shell, military, former atheist, bowed up in their spirit maybe, just began to melt away. And that loving heart of my friend who used to love the Lord and serve on our usher team and play on our church softball team that we married and buried his, his daddy and his family members and, and loved them, something began to happen. And whatever was happening, I started feeling it. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, if a tree's cut down, Through the scent. What's that? That's the smell. That's not the taste. That's not the sight. That's not the satisfaction. That's not the pleasing to a dry body or a dry mouth. It's just knowing that there's water close. That old stump. can produce again I had four crepe myrtles on the east side of my house I always trim them up right keep them looking good we've had two pretty harsh winters and they didn't look good at all through the last summer and then this past winter they, they froze for days on end and they were bad they had some kind of blight or something on them through the summer anyhow and I thought well the crepe myrtles are, are over and I, I backed my truck up and put a strap on the first one I had four of them this was the closest one to the road and I'd already cut them down about 10-12 inches from the ground and I pulled that one up and as soon Sister Debbie just as soon as the root broke the ground I could see a line everything above the dirt looked terrible as soon as I could see what was below the dirt, it looked good. I thought, wow, this thing's done froze and split open. It's gnarly and gone every direction. It's black, covered up in some kind of a... I've put all kind of stuff on them and treated them, and I, I, there was nothing I could do. And I said, I'm just going to just pull them up. And I pulled that first one up, left a hole in the ground, and I got to worrying about my sprinkler system that was under there that... I never have mastered, but it's in there. And I said, I'm going to mess around and pull that sprinkler system up. I'm going to have a mess here. So I just opened the hole up a little bigger and 
went and bought my favorite tree beside a sweet olive. I, I went and bought me a Japanese maple. Planted in that hole. I said, I'll give those other things a little time and just see what happens. I was reminded when I walked outside today, they're about this tall and full of bloom. You can't see the ground around them. They're pink, dynamite pink, beautiful. Though a tree is cut down and its roots wax old in the ground, the scent of water. You know what happened? I set my sprinkler up to take care of that maple. I'm fighting to keep it alive. Those crepe myrtles have gone. Why? Because those crepe myrtles, there's a sound of that just draws them. The scent of water. I want you to tell, I want to tell you something. And then you go tell the enemy, and you go tell your family, and you go tell your friends. Too lost is not a possibility. If they're breathing, a dog, rotten, low-down skunk, If they can draw a breath, there is hope. It might be in a sick bed. It might be in a church service. It might be on the job site. Come on, singers. I'm done. But I want to tell you something. If the church would just keep on praying, just keep on writing their name. Just keep on believing. The day's coming. Let a dry erase board be missing those names because they'll be on the pew. Hell has taken a chainsaw to a lot of people over the past, over the past few years. Cut them as low as he can cut them. But tonight, our dismissal prayer is if you truly believe this message and if you believe he'll do it for one and he'll do it for another, I'm going to invite you to walk to the altar for them. Let's just all stand together. I'm going to invite you to come and call their name and just pray. You don't have to pray for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. You don't have to pray for addictions, chains to be broken. You don't have to pray for them to show up at church Sunday. Just pray that the winds of revival will blow the scent of water across their stump. Come on, sing it, singers. Pray that the smell of revival. They're gonna make it. I've They're gonna make it. Fire from above. 